Welcome back, everyone, to the 11th episode of Potida Podcast. I'm your host, Clara Peterson, and normally right now you would hear my co-host say I'm your host, Jessica Williams. Sadly, Jess couldn't make it to this interview today. She's actually in Ohio with her family. Um, but the reason we could not reschedule is actually the reason that this episode is very special for us, and that's our guest, Yuri Sands. Yuri is an incredible dancer and choreographer, as well as co-founder of Two Dance, a Minnesota-based company out of St. Paul that he founded in 2004 with Tony Pierce Sands. Um, and I actually took contemporary class from Tony for many years. I remember it being everyone's favorite class. She would come into our little bunhead studio and just blow everyone's minds every week with the choreography that she taught us. Um, so I have great memories there. And uh, since then, I've heard nothing but the highest praise about two from my mom, who's seen many of their performances. Um, unfortunately, I left for college the year that two dance was founded. So um, I had not had the chance to see them yet until this week, which was really exciting. I marked my calendar like a month ago um, for this show Two performed um, on summer stages at Central Park, which was great. It was a truly excellent performance that I was um, very privileged to see. So as you can imagine, I'm feeling very fortunate right now to have the opportunity to interview Yuri before he jets on back to Minneapolis. Um, so a few quick words about Yuri before we dive in. Uh, Yuri is a native of Miami, Florida. He trained at the New World School of the Arts there before pursuing a professional dancing career with companies that include Alvin Ailey, Philodanko, James Sewell Ballet, and Minnesota Dance Theater. He's since received national recognition as a choreographer with works commissioned by Alonzo King, Lines Ballet, Dance St. Louis, Vocal Essence, Elvin Ailey, and more. Yuri has also been the recipient of multiple dance and choreography awards, and his choreography is described as being notable for the fusion of classical elegance with edgy contemporary action for pulsating intensity with poetic lyricism. Welcome, and thank you for joining me, Yuri. Thank you, Clara, for having me. I'm so happy that you could join um, on short notice, even though you're in town for just a little bit of time. You enjoying the heat wave in New York? Absolutely. You have to enjoy <laughs> it, right? You just accept it. <laughs> and your dancers were dancing outside on Wednesday night. I was impressed, <laughs> doubly impressed for that. Um, well, to get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background and your dance training? Sure. Well, as you said before, I'm originally from Miami, Florida. Mm -hmm. And basically, I started as a break dancer. And wow, when I really? Was about nine years old, you know, I used to be used to break dance and did the whole cardboard boombox kind of stuff. And there was a little crew that we used to travel around to different projects in, our, in South Miami Dade, wow. and we battle other crews. Oh, so that's a thing. It's oh, not just so, a thing in the movies. Like, oh there no, are that crews. was very real. Oh, I always wondered about that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that wow. was very real. So I was this like nine-year-old, ten-year-old anomaly. Wow. That could do all the head spins and windmills and tumbling Gosh. and different things like that. And so my mother caught wind of this. Okay. And <laughs> After how long yeah, had you done uh, it without her catching I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Okay. <laughs> um, she asked if I would be interested in taking a dance class. In our neighborhood, there was an elementary school, the Magnet, that they had begun. Um, and it was for fifth and sixth graders. Okay. And it was for performing arts, music, dance, visual arts. Okay. And she said, you can take dance classes at this school. So I say, sure, I'll take them. And I just assumed it was a break dance class. Sure. You know, what, I mean, else what is other there? class would there be? Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I go into the studio, and the first class that I'm taking is actually a ballet class. Mm, all right. And so that was my first introduction to formalized dance training, if you will. 
Okay. And I at just, age 10? At were... age 10. Okay. And so I just kind of stuck with it and just kept going and, you know, wanted to just kind of like feel it out. And it wasn't, it wasn't an option for us in our household to, you know, not do well in school. So I almost couldn't really question it. I couldn't go out and say, Mom, I don't want to dance anymore or get me out of this class, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I just kind of stepped with, kept with it and... It just turned out to work just just great. Um, wow. So I'm always curious about this, especially with boys, because there aren't so many in ballet. You know, it's uh, we need more male dancers, and I think sure. we're getting there. Um, how did you react, I mean, when you ended up in a ballet class? Did you like it, or did it take a while to grow on you? Despite it not, Was it kind of like, oh, I have to do this now, or did you find something you liked? Yes, it? I'd say that it took a while for it to grow on me. Um, I didn't dislike it, um, and I remember seeing a photograph of Nuriev, you know, on the wall <clears throat> there, and, you know, kind of looking at it saying, oh, that, that looks like a pretty cool move. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how I re- referred to it at that time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just stuck with it, you know, and found to have a, I guess, some sort of knack for it, I guess you would say. Yes, an incredible knack for it. Very cool. And then did you go on from there to go to a, a college for dance or just straight from high school? You so basically straight from high school, I began my professional career as a dancer. So I was there at the elementary school, went to a performing arts middle school and as well New World School of the Arts, which is a performing arts high school in Miami, Florida. Mm-hmm. And from there, I moved to Philadelphia. And that's where I started initially doing some training there at the Pennsylvania Ballet f- for about a couple of weeks. And I heard that there was um, an audition going on and at this modern dance company in Philadelphia. And my friend said, you should audition. And I said, well, I don't really know much modern dance. I know some <laughs> stuff, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I've only been taking modern in my high school years. Um, but from the moment I began at 10 years old, all of the classes I ever took were classical ballet. Oh, really? Yeah. No more break dancing. Oh, I was still doing the break dancing and playing football okay. and all of that stuff. Okay. <laughs> but cool. the um, training that I was having, you know, from about 10 to 16 years old was all, and 15 years old was all um, classical ballet training. Okay. And so I would do that training in the school, and then I would go to the ballet school, the Miami Conservatory at that time, mm-hmm. after school. And I'd have another three hours of ballet classes. Wow. Do you think that was important? Are you happy that you had that? Uh, foundation in ballet? Uh, I mean, I just think that anytime one can um, have the opportunity to really train in an extensive way, Mm -hmm. you know, and with real focus, really allows for them to be able to progress, whether it's in classical ballet or or a modern gram technique or modern dance technique. Um, I just think it's important that one has a foundation, you know, just to bounce off of. Sure. You know? Um, and so you said you went to Philly and then... Uh... So then I went to this audition and ended up getting the job um, with Philodanko. All right. And then I okay. danced with them for about two years. And mm-hmm. then I um, went to the audition for the Ailey Company. And I was about, I think I was 20 years old and joined Ailey when I was 20 years old. Oh, my gosh. Prodigies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. I saw Philodenko for the first time also on Wednesday, um, since they were paired with two on the bill. Uh, their first piece was almost gymnastic and so much energy. It, was it at the time when you joined very athletic in that way? Oh, absolutely. I think the um, the aesthetic of Philodenko um, um, really requires, you know, the dancers to be incredibly proficient and absolutely draws on their athleticism. 
you know, and the physical nature of the performing art. You know, it's just it's a requirement, as well as the artistry, you know, as well as the individuality of those very talented dancers that are part of that company. You know, um, Joe Myers-Brown has always, who's the director of Philodenka, mm -hmm. um, Joe mm -hmm. Myers-Brown has always required that when I was in the company and to see them perform myself on this past Wednesday night mm -hmm. clearly sees that she hasn't let up at all. All right. You know, so it's yeah. very, um, yeah, it's, it was cool to really see it and see those dancers out there doing that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you went to Ailey. And for our listeners who might not be familiar, Elvin Ailey is actually recognized by Congress as a vital American cultural ambassador to the world um, that celebrates the uniqueness of African-American cultural experience and the preservation and enrichment of the American modern dance heritage. So Elvin Ailey is um, not only you know, one of the premier companies doing very innovative works of modern dance, but it's a, a really important company in our country and our world as well. Um, so tell us about how you had the opportunity to dance with them. It sounds like you just auditioned and now uh, we're a shoe-in. Um, and maybe a little bit more about the experience dancing with Ailey. Sure. You know, um, dancing with Ailey um, is, you know, an experience like no other. Um, it's um, a true gift to have been able mm. to be a part of that legacy and that heritage mm -hmm. and that history and that part of our American history under the directorship of Judith Jamison at the time. And um, yeah, just really incredible. I mean, I just remember the audition. When I auditioned, there were 85 guys auditioning. Wow. You know, and Judy, Judy stood up at the top of the audition and said, we're looking for one guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, you know, I was like, wow, well, I guess <laughs> we'll see how this turns out. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I made the cut. And, it's, um, and from that moment on, you know, my life um, really did um, just change. The trajectory of it really altered in a very significant way. And being part of that, being one of those ambassadors, you know, for American modern dance as, as a performer, and it's just really, it's just a really special gift, you know, and mm -hmm. I feel very, very privileged and very um, humbled by having the opportunity to have performed with Alvin Ailey. So you could feel as a performer the sort of the weight of that history um, and that ambassadorship as you were on stage? And oh, sure. Presenting. Absolutely. I mean, that crown you carried constantly. You know, it's the real deal. You know, there's, right. you know, when you're at, when you're at that sort of prestige, when you're in that prestigious of company, mm -hmm. you know, with so many other dancers and so many incredibly gifted choreographers, mm -hmm. and the leadership that was there, you know, you recognize that you're in a very rare environment. Okay. And huh. all the stakes are, um, and not to say that the stakes are high, but all the moments are meaningful. Okay. So, yeah. and you recognize that immediately. And even for someone who's not in the company, it's someone who would may have the opportunity to walk in and watch a rehearsal, you know, who may have been invited in, realizes that they are there witnessing something incredibly unique and incredibly rare. Yeah, and I think you can feel that as an audience member, too, with Elvin Ailey. I haven't seen them in a little while. I'll have to circle back for sure. Um, that must have been so exciting to uh, be the one who was chosen from that audition and then carry on. Did you feel uh, with Ailey, because they're also 
very athletic and bring a lot of energy to the stage. Did you feel your like your breakdancing background became important or was helpful at all? <laughs> well, I, I, that's a difficult question to answer because, mm-hmm. you know, it's been so many, you know, it's been so much part of um, where I started, you know, yeah. and yeah, yeah. so it's so yeah. far behind me. However, I think all the experiences that we have in one way mm-hmm. or another end up playing out. And if we're able to, they're able to serve us. you know, in our present moments. So I think those experiences of doing head spins on cardboard on a sidewalk, (laughs) you know, they probably did help out somehow or another, you know, if if nothing, if for nothing else, just for not being afraid. Oh, and that's huge. I think these days, especially with the kinds of things dancers are doing, I've just always wondered, can someone have a classical ballet background alone and go in and do something like Ailey? And I think some people can, uh, but it's, it's so impressive. Uh, the work that that is done there. Yeah, with that, with the, having a classical ballet background alone, I just think in this day and age, um, as much you know, as much as um, that foundation really supports and is suitable for a number of dance artists, mm-hmm. I just think the work of today requires artists to be very well versed in multiple genres mm-hmm. and forms. So to just have a classical ballet background and possibly be able to get an Ailey, that would be a very long shot now. Yeah. Because you actually really need to be able to yeah. traverse the worlds, you know, right. and go between one place to another place. And I also imagine it would be somewhat the same for some of the contemporary ballet companies, the leading ballet companies in the country. Yeah. Because the choreographers that they bring in and what those choreographers and directors require, mm-hmm. they require these artists to be incredibly well-versed, you know, so your talent is one thing and your training is one thing, mm-hmm. you know, but you also have to have this sort of empowerment as an artist individually to ensure that you're able to serve, you know, the needs of the choreographers that might be coming in there. Right, and your choreography, too, is very innovative. Do you find that you tend to pull from the ranks of dancers who have a more versatile background or kind of more than classical ballet when you're hiring? Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, You know, particularly for the work that I create with the dancers, it's a sort of full participation process to me, you know, and I, I, I definitely require the artists to bring all that they have to the table. Yeah, and you so can there's, see that. Yeah, you know, it's like no one keeps anything in their pocket. So we're going to come to the table, we're going to empty our pockets, you know. That means wow. that you have this background, which might, you know, you're a tap dancer. Who knows how that might come into play, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. If, if nothing, if, even if it were just for the rhythms, you know, those things might come into play as a way to sort of like sing some of the choreography, you know what I mean. Or um, someone who might have a very strong gram background, you know, that might come into play. But ultimately, we want to be able to have these things available to us as sure. artists, you know, as creators, so that you can able you're able to draw from these multiple spectrums to create something that's um, uniquely yours. I would encourage any young dancer, mm-hmm. you know, who's really trying to make their way into the field to ensure that they're well-versed in multiple Mm -hmm. forms. So, you know, it's like when you feel like you have your classical base established, you know, you can't really stop there. And actually that plays into a question I had for you, um, considering that some of our audience members are probably uh, dancers, maybe freelancers who are looking for companies and looking for jobs. How do you find the right fit with a company? I know you danced with a number of companies yourself. Um, What do you think that process looks like? 
Well, for how Tony and I um, mm-hmm. find the right fit for our company with regards to artists, is that is that more of the question? Oh, either way. I mean, okay. as a dancer, how did you find the right fit with companies? And, and how see. would dancers, uh, yeah, conversely, how do you find the right fit with dancers? That'll be insightful for, for everyone, too. Yeah, well, you know, dancers, um, the dance world is very small. So oftentimes, you know, we are constantly communicating about what's going on at one place or another you know it's kind of like what's the what's the theme or what's the sort of like energy going on in this particular company you know and you find work that you gravitate to that you like you find work that you feel like you can contribute to you find work or artists or or directors whom you might want to learn from you know I think there are multiple ways for artists and dancers to be able to find find their place Sure. You know, at times it might be about I want to do a certain type of work. Mm-hmm. Other times it might I want to work with a particular choreographer. Right, right. You know, I want to be in the room with a specific type of dancers. And then you just pursue that. And, and then you go for those yeah. things. Yeah. Um, how did you end up, I guess, at, at your other companies after Ailey? Um, a lot of those companies that I worked with, like I did some work with um, Complexions Contemporary Ballet as well. And I did that for a few years, as well as um, North Carolina Dance Theater, mm-hmm. where I did a, n- a lot of balancing work. And, of course, the companies there in Minnesota with uh, Minnesota Dance Theater. And I think, basically, again, it came through just the dialogue that you would have in mm-hmm. the dressing room or, you know, with other dancers. You know, oh, what's going on or what's happening? Or you've been following someone's work. For instance, when I started working with Complexions, contemporary ballet, Dwight Roden and Desmond Richardson had um, basically, it's this interesting story here, um, mm-hmm. the two of them um, came to do a workshop at Philodenko when I when I was there, um, and I told them at the time, they said, you know, Yuri would love for you to come join us, we're going to start a company. Okay. And I said, well, I'm actually going to audition for ALA, so um, if I get the job with ALA, then I mm-hmm. probably won't come to you mm-hmm. you know because that's what I'm trying to do and they're like yeah. and Desmond I remember Desmond and Dwight kind of looked at me and said oh well well then we'll see you later we'll see mm-hmm. we'll see you're going to probably get the job you know that's what they In were the room thinking. of 85 people yeah, <laughs> yeah. and knew. um so five years I when I was in Ailey after I left Ailey I called Dwight back and I said Dwight so I'm leaving Ailey and he says okay great doors open come on in Okay. And so a lot of times, you know, it goes through these workshops that a lot of dancers go to now and these summer intensives and things that a lot of dancers do. It's really just through those networks and through having or teachers who may have been training you for a while and say, you know, you might be a good fit for this company or this choreographer. Have you ever considered looking at this particular state because they have so many offerings for dance. So. Wow. So young dancers who are listening, networking is important. Don't be too shy. Talk to people. Get involved. Absolutely. I mean, it's really about ensuring that you're in dialogue with the world that you want to participate in. So how and when did you start choreographing? And um, Actually, let's start there, and then I have other co- <laughs> uh, questions about your process. Well, with regards to choreography, I remember... In my performing career, I was always fascinated by the worlds that were being created. I just thought it was just fascinating to me, you know, and how they could bring all of these different elements together. And so I always had an interest 
in creating worlds. Hmm. And that's sort hmm. of how I look at choreography. It's like a, it's about kind of like revealing these worlds that sort of already exist. And um, I love that. When I got into when I um, moved to Minnesota, mm-hmm. and which, which is where Tony Tony Pierce Sands is from, whom I met at Ailey, um, it's where she is from. And I said, you know, Tony, I think I want to start creating work and start mm-hmm. to see what that's about and start playing with the creation of these worlds. Right. And so I've always had an interest in it, um, just haven't ever had the time or, I guess, the motivation at the time to actually go after it. But once I started, then it just became, it just really starts to spill over. And I would say that um, Jean-Pierre and Patricia McBride at North Carolina Dance Theater um, were key in allowing me the opportunity to really develop my own creative voice as a choreographer. And I had to, and I was able to create probably a half dozen works or so on that company, which is now Charlotte Ballet. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So is that when when you were dancing with them, and uh, you said I'm interested, and they gave you the chance to, to uh, basically? Okay. And I said, like, "Wow, that's a long shot." <laughs> <laughs> they believed in you. <laughs> you know, and they did, and you know, and some of the works were um, fair, they fairly well received, and. He just allowed for me to continue to grow and nurture that um, creative voice um, and that that desire that I had, you know. So I just thought it was really, that's really special. And so I just kept going with that. And as I do today, you know, just continue to just sort of like reveal these worlds. Right. And what does your choreographic process look like? What, first of all, inspires you? Would you hear music and then think, oh, I could move to this? Or do you see someone make a motion that sparks an idea? Well, the choreographic process um, changes for me depending on the work. It just cha- it always okay. evolves. Okay. And it's never quite the same. You know, sometimes it could be a piece of music that mm-hmm. one hears or that I hear. And I'm like, oh, sure. that's an interesting piece of music. And I want to explore that through movement. Okay. Um, it could also be a piece of literature. You know, it could mm-hmm. also be... Um, leaves blowing down the sidewalk in the fall in Minnesota. Has that inspired a piece before? Sure. Oh, yeah? It could be fishing a Minnesota lake. I mean, all of these things Mm. are inspirations of sorts. And how we then react to those inspirations, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's through our creating music or creating dances or creating visual art pieces. You know, it's, it's just our response to that, um, stimul- stimulant there, you okay. know, of inspiration. So I, I, it really just comes from many different ways. Sometimes I can wake up and say, I walk in the studio, and there have been times that I say, all right, I have no idea what we're going to do today. <laughs> wow. So let's start. <laughs> yeah. And that's where we begin. <laughs> huh? Do you uh, incorporate improv at all with your dancers? Um, I, th- I think improv, some, I, um, I use improvisation as a tool. Okay. Um, I don't use it necessarily as a sort of like sustaining piece or component of a particular work okay. for, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that I have any sort of resistance to it doing that, you know, sure. to each their own. Um, but yeah, at times we will kind of improvisation ultimately is constantly happening to me, you know, or it's constantly happening for us as dancers. 
You know, when I walk into a studio and say, we have, I don't know where we're going to start. We're not, I'm not sure what we're going to do today. Improvisation comes from right there. I mean, you have to figure, you got to figure it out then. It's like, well, mm -hmm. so then I'll go stand in the back of the room as opposed to stand in the front of the room. Okay. So sometimes you'll watch your dancers and see what they, how their bodies are moving and maybe incorporate some of that? Sure. Or I can, or I can watch, sometimes I'll watch the dancers and see what they're doing and then mm -hmm. do the complete opposite of what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Okay just as a way to kind of just change the course of action. But that was a mm -hmm. stimulus that came from improvisation, a tool that yeah. uh, the improvisation. Okay. So. And part of why I ask is I think that we see so much improv these days. Do you think sometimes improv is overused or misused, or do you think in general it's a good thing to see well, so much? Well, I mean, you know, excess in any capacity, you know, I imagine yeah. um, can lose its luster. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know, so... <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe I'm just <laughs> tired of there's so much of it. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's it. But, you know, I think it's I think it's fine, you know. Mm -hmm. I really don't have an issue with, you know, again, you know, each artist goes, each choreographer does, does their thing, you know, and mm -hmm. ultimately okay. that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, and if they say, we're going to put this piece of music on and we're going to have improvisation exist for, you know, 80% of what you see. Mm-hmm. That's a creative choice. That's true. Yeah. You know, that mm -hmm. we may or may not like or we may or may not be receptive to. Um, but again, you know, it's it's one of those things where for me particularly, you know, I utilize improvisation as a tool as part of the creative process. Mm -hmm. Just as much as I use a tondu as a tool as part of a creative process. Right. You know, if improvisation somehow manifested as a core component to a particular work, then so be it. However, it's, um, I don't put any great weight on it. Okay. Um, and speaking of getting into choreography, how did Two come about? How did Two Dance as a company come about? And uh, was it difficult to be an entrepreneur and start your own company, particularly funding-wise in this day and age? Sure, yeah. Two Dance um, began initially as a project company. Tony Pearsands, who's mm -hmm. also the um, founding director of Two Dance, and, as well as my life partner. Um, Tony and I um, always had this idea that we want to sort of create a place okay. for dancers to exist. There were so mm -hmm. many artists, there were so many choreographers, there were so many dancers, but there were so few places for us to actually exist. Huh. Yeah. What do you, you know, mean by a place? How meaning are you meaning just places like that? a company or a platform or a studio. Yeah. Like they're just so, you know, for the number of dancers that are out there, hmm. the number of places for them are very few. And also a lot of our friends and ourselves oftentimes during the summers are laid off. Mm. You know, those mm -hmm. are sort of the down periods. Right, we've talked you to know, a lot of dancers. I mean, dancers who've danced for the top companies in the world, and that's it's right. not always sustainable. That's right. And so we would say, well, let's get our friends together and let's do this show. And I said this place where I wanted to begin creating work. And so we started it with a summer project the first two years, and we would just gather our friends for about seven weeks, and we'd just create work, make work, and then perform it in a black box in Minnesota. And that's how Two Dance basically initially began. And in 2004, we formally became um, an incorporated entity. And we also knew when we were starting the company that we also wanted to start a school, but the, mm -hmm. we were just trying to figure out which one we want to do first. Yeah. You know, whether it was going to be chicken or egg. Right. 
Because a school can make some, well, I guess a company makes money too through performances. I would imagine a school is probably a little bit more lucrative or maybe not. I don't know. You have to run it for a long yeah, time. Yeah, well, I mean, um, you know, the companies are, uh, the companies don't make much money yeah. if they make any at all. Yeah. You know, they, they, they very much, um, they do drain. They, they do a lot more devouring right. <laughs> than they do of generating the revenue. Schools do generate a fair amount of revenue. Um, and that model has existed, you know, in previous companies where they've had larger um, schools that somehow or another were feeders to help yep. um, with the revenue stream for the companies. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not quite what we do. Okay. Um, nonetheless, our company itself um, founded 10 years ago, um, was really about wanting to find a way to bring dance and offer dance to um, a varied audience and ensure also that when what you see on stage with the dancers and the bodies that are there and the cultures that you see in their company, that it actually reflected the world that all the people were walking through on a daily basis. And we also want to just do really good work, you know, and... I mean, that's a very important component of it. And the company did start first for that's you, right? That's correct. And then the school. And the school and then the school, the school started four years ago. Okay. I love that that's part of the goal. I mean, that's part of our goal with our podcast is opening dance up to um, a much wider audience, much wider group of participants. I think dance is so important in so many ways, and it's really uh, refreshing to hear that you guys are focusing on that um, as a goal, in addition to creating beautiful work and uh, really innovative choreography. Yeah, I mean, the, those, those, those two things are ultimately one and the same for us with regards to their importance, you know. Um, as important as it is to create the work, it's equally as important for the diverse voices to be heard in the work. Right. And to be seen in the work and, and to be experiencing the work. Definitely. How do you support that goal? Um, what kind of... Th- strategies and what kind of things do you do to bring in greater diversity well a lot of the things that we do is just really just the sort of like groundwork of reaching out to the communities Mm -hmm. that exist around us you know finding out what the barriers are for them to dance and doing what we can to eliminate those barriers who who does the outreach do you guys yourselves go into the community sure we do wow absolutely absolutely i mean for tony and i to actually show up in a community school and not, uh, I should be clear, we don't do all of the outreach. Oh, sure. Well, you you, know, you like couldn't impossible. possibly. <laughs> <Yeah>. And choreograph <laughs> and dance. And, but, you know, it's yeah. such a key component to what we do, you know, mm. because we mm-hmm. want to ensure that all the people have a chance to have access to the art form and that it's not just limited, you know, to uh, people with means or who are already been exposed to it or some way or another. You know what? We've uh, had guests on our show, and Jessica, my co-host, um, found dance by recruiters, basically. I guess you wouldn't call them that. Maybe outreach people coming from a studio to uh, public schools and running a little audition or a little class and pinpointing some students and saying, hey, do you want to come join our school on scholarship? Um, which is, I've always thought, so great and so important. Um, do you guys offer scholarships or do anything similar to that? Sure we do. I mean, um, that's... Um with the school, we have a pre-professional program which is geared towards training young aspiring artists for professional careers. Mm-hmm. And basically, with regards to scholarships, we have a school currently in our fourth year of school is about 150, 60 kids. Wow. And that's great. About I think it's about 57 
57 to 58% of the students that are in our school are on some form of subsidy. Wow. And the development work that we do is really about gaining the necessary sponsorship and funding mm-hmm. to help offset the costs for those subsidies that we provide to these young students. Do you have a whole development team working on grants and outreach? Um, absolutely. You know, and it's, um, it's contracted. You know, so there's sort of independent contractors that we work together, but it's like a, it's a sort of um, a little web, if you will. You know, we have our outreach coordinator and we have Tony and I, of course, as the leadership. We have our managing director who works closely with our development consultant, you know, who works very closely with the programmers in each of these schools. Okay. About And we go out and we have this program, which we kind of refer to as March Madness. We take a week out of the company schedule, professional schedule. And we break the company up in teams of two, of three or four, and we send, and we have twelve members in the company, and we send those professional artists along with us, um, either myself or Tony or someone else, to neighboring schools. So we we'll choose about seven or eight schools, and basically what they do is take over the dance classes or offer dance classes. And as we do that in that day, we also then let them know that two dance exists, and if they have further interest in continuing dance, please let us know. And so then they tell their teachers, and then the teachers gives us a list of students that are interested in actually continuing dance outside of school. Wow. And that list, from that list, then we have a workshop that happens then at Two Dance Center. Okay. And we bring them in, give them a sort of like feel of the culture, Mm -hmm. and then we offer them, and then they fill out the financial aid forms, Mm -hmm. and then we offer them the subsidies based on their situations. Wow. And And then they can get... Literally, they get snacks, they get all their attire, mm. they get bus passes. Oh my gosh. And they get tuition. Wow. And more importantly, they get the training and the experience. And the focus and the, mm-hmm. I mean, all the benefits of, of dance. How many students usually from all the schools usually sign up on the list? Do you get oh, man. hundreds of entries? Oh, yeah. I mean, if we visit, yeah. oh, God, see, now that's a, I would have to go get the stats <laughs> for that. You know, I don't want to guesstimate too much. It's a <laughs> lot of it's a yeah. lot of kids that end up mm-hmm. signing up. You know, I mean, Sounds we we'll, we can go to one school and interact. So there's one school there. We'll go and we'll send out. We send out six dancers to that particular school, mm-hmm. but they start teaching dance classes at eight thirty in the morning. Oh wow! And they stop. The last class ends at three fifty p.m. Mm-hmm. So within that time, I think they may have taught like seven dance classes. And each one of those classes, they have reached anywhere between 25 to 30 students in each one of those seven dance classes. So just in that one school, I mean, somebody else can do the math. That's a lot right. of students. Yeah, and it's know. so wonderful that so many uh, find themselves liking it and interested in dance. That's right. That's, that's so important. It sounds like you guys have been very successful um, as entrepreneurs and fundraisers in a world where that's very difficult. Do you have any specific advice or anything you might have done out of the ordinary for people who are starting a company or doing some some similar kind of outreach on the funding side? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. You know, you just really got to find, you have to find the right people. You know, there's this great book that I love. I utilize it as my sort of like, business bible if you will and it speaks about first who then what it's like first get Mm -hmm. the right people on the bus and then have them help determine where that bus goes how the bus gets there i should say really about the people really about the people get the right people around you yeah and with your mission i mean that's just um 
it's just so cool the way you're the way you're utilizing the resources. Um, so one more question about your school, going back to what techniques to focus on in the modern day. Uh, do you focus on classical ballet technique in your pre-professional program with the young dancers, or do you balance the curriculum more between a variety of techniques? Well, we, um, it's definitely a balance because we feel like, again, the demands of today's dance world requires the artist to be well-versed in multiple forms. Yeah. So meaning that if we are only teaching dancers, young dancers, modern dance, they're going to have a very difficult time making it in the world today as it exists. Just as much as if we're only teaching them classical ballet, they're going to have a very difficult time really making headway in what the world is doing today. You know, where the contemporary world is actually happening right now. So the curriculum requires them to actually do classical ballet, classical modern dance, and West African. That's so great. And is it evenly split between the three? It depends on the level. So it's not necessarily like evenly split in that way. So maybe at certain levels, maybe at a younger level, there's more ballet or something like that or more modern dance. You know, if it's an introductory level, maybe there's no ballet right away, but it's just getting people to understand that they have arms and legs that move in these unique and fun ways and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it might be just like an intro to dance. Sure. Um, You know, as opposed to saying, okay, here's the tondu. Yeah. Uh, West African is so unique to have that be a core part of the curriculum. That's wonderful. Uh, do both you and Tony know that um, repertoire? Not at all. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we understand the value of it. We've mm-hmm. taught. We've both have taken it um, in many years during our careers. Yeah. And we also have a very gifted artist who happens to be in Minnesota. Oh. Who really spearheads that and helps guide Tony and I as directors on how the West African dance form can be serving to the overall enrichment of these young students. So we let those, the experts take the lead in the areas. Great. Well, unfortunately, it looks like we're out of time at this point. Thank you again so much for joining me, Yuri. This has been a really wonderful discussion. To everyone listening, you can find Yuri and Tony's company, Two Dance, online at twodance.org. That's just the letters T-U, so T-U-D-A-N-C-E dot org. And definitely like their Facebook page by searching Two Dance on Facebook. If you haven't yet, please like Pas de Deux on Facebook as well, and visit, visit us at com. that's P-O-D-D-E-D-E-U-X dot com, and make sure to find us on iTunes as well. Thanks, everyone.